Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Nuggets. This will be our post-2022 NBA draft uh, reaction podcast. Uh, we'll give you know our general thoughts on the Nuggets draft, the prospects that they took, the process that they went into the draft with, and the outcome of all of this and where it leaves the Nuggets, uh, not only for this season, but going forward, because we will be looking at prospects that the Nuggets are bringing in for long-term potential. So as always, uh, I am Asher Levy. I'm I'm joined by my lovely co-host as always, Gage Bridgeford. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. I know that we kind of talked about possibly recording either Friday or Saturday, and I'm glad to say that we are recording on Saturday because this has given us plenty of time to, uh, like for me, to really research these prospects that we're going to talk about today because, as we all know, I didn't do as much, nearly as much research as you did in draft prep. So I'm glad I've gotten a couple days to kind of let the picks sink in and kind of really get to develop a more thought-out opinion on these guys. Is nice to have a breather between the initial, okay, these are the guys who were picked, this is our reaction, and have have a couple days to process it and think about, you know, long-term fits, uh, median outcomes, 80% outcomes, all that sort of jazz. But we are now looking at uh, the Nuggets coming away with three draft picks and three rookies uh, in tow. And that was not something I anticipated. I thought that there was going to be uh, moves made. I thought they were going to either draft one rookie or no rookies. I didn't think they'd draft with both. And instead, they added a pick and drafted three. What do you think about the Nuggets coming away with not only multiple rookies, but adding an additional rookie to that list? And what do you think it says about you know, what went down on draft day. My guess is they were looking for a trade. Like they, I doubt that they wanted to stay at 21 and 30. I'm guessing that they wanted to move up, but at the same time, that trade that they wanted probably just never materialized. They, that, or it just comes down to cost. And they knew that three rookies would be cheaper in a couple of years than paying three veterans or paying a veteran or two. Cause I mean, it's just, they're going to end up being cheaper. I'm going to, but I'm going to give the front office the benefit of the doubt that they wanted to trade up. They couldn't find a move that they liked and, but they found value down the board that they wanted to go get more of. And there are, there is like, everybody knows that I loved Wendell Moore jr. I was very, I, I loved the player that I saw, I was really hoping that he was going to end up in Denver. I felt that he should have been drafted much sooner than 26. I think that Tim Connolly and the Minnesota Timberwolves got a steal there. I think he's going to be a solid player for a long time. But I think that Denver is going to – they they have picks. They have players that they 
like, and I'm hoping that these guys are able to develop and further round out a roster that really didn't need star power. Uh, they just needed some solid role players to kind of round out the group around the core four that they have right now. Yeah, I agree with uh, all your points. I think my understanding is that they were in talks with the uh, Wizards to trade up to number 10 potentially, but nothing ever came of that. And outside of that, I I don't think many people were on the block uh, during draft day. I don't think as many people were on were available to trade for than uh, what was reported and the rumors and what have you. I personally would have liked to see them. uh, Once AJ Griffin started slipping, I think they should have maybe started looking at him, but I understand not wanting to take him because of injury risk and because that's more of an upside swing. I personally just had him uh, top five on my board. So uh, I was a big AJ Griffin guy, but you know, he ended up going 16 to the Hawks and quite make it to the nuggets. And I think that the nuggets probably weren't going into it with the mindset of, okay, let's take three guys. But Calvin Booth did talk about, you don't often come away with all your targets on draft day. And we're lucky to have come away with all of them. So it sounds like he had his, well, eyes just in regards on, to that, He's not going to come out and say, yeah, no, we missed on everybody that we wanted. and We just ended up with these guys. Yeah, he, he he can't do that. He has to come. Yeah, no, we got all of our targets. Oh, did you? You got every the, the all three of those players were like one, like one A, one B, one C. Those were your top three on yeah. the board. You got all of them. Come on now. You got three targets that you may have thought about or may have wanted, but they weren't all of your targets. I just have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But I will say, I know I was at workouts with Peyton Watson and Ishmael Kamagate uh, as media. I know that the front office liked both of those guys. They really liked the people uh, behind uh, the p- players, not just you know on court. They liked them off the court. He talked, uh, Calvin Booth and his post-draft media availability talked a lot about you know Peyton Watson being a very intelligent person, a, a great guy. And from the sounds of everything that came out about Christian Brown in Denver, like Bill Self, who is the head coach of Kansas, for those who don't know, talked about, yeah, we were talking to Denver a lot. You know, they were really asking about Christian, yada, yada. Um, And with Wendell Moore Jr., who I know that the Nuggets liked, Marshawn Beauchamp, who I know the Nuggets liked, all of those guys still on the board, they took Christian Brown. So I, I do think at least Christian Brown was like, one of their stamped guys, I think with Peyton Watson and Ishmael, they traded in for Ishmael. So that means, you know, they, they had to find some sort of uh, value there. And with Peyton, I think they talked about him having the potential to become an all defensive sort of guy. And whether you believe that or not, you know, watch the tape decide for yourself, but uh, the nuggets certainly believe that. So he's more of a developmental pick, as we'll get into later. But I think all three of these guys were targets for the Nuggets. I don't think they hit on every single one because front offices don't typically only have three guys. But I do think they're happy with the haul they they took away with. Yeah, no, I 
the thing with Peyton Watson, I know he is. I know he's the guy that we are both collectively the lowest on. I know that you are definitely lower on him than I am. But then again, I'm trying to be a little optimistic here because it's way too easy to just be negative. So I'll take the positive side. I think that he does have legitimate all defense upside, just from the fact that he's his the way that he moves on defense. He's got good length. He's six eight. He's two hundred three pounds. So he's got good size, good weight to him. He per thirty six minutes averaged one point seven blocks and one point seven steals. Uh, yeah, he did. He, he had average 8.2 rebounds per 36 minutes. He's not the best offensive player. He's not, he struggles to shoot, struggles to finish, not the greatest handle. He's got a better handle than, um, a guy that I know a lot of Nuggets fans have been interested in this summer in Matisse Tybel. I know everybody's been like, Ooh, that's, we got to go get him. You know what? We're probably not going to get him this summer. It's just, we're not. And Peyton Watson, I think handles the ball better than Thibel. I think Thibel is probably a little bit better of a defender, but that's a story for another day. But I think that Christian Brown is a guy that I like. I um, Nuggets fans are going to love him because every other fan base is going to hate him. This kid, I watched like the clips that I watched. He is going to be a guy that you, your team, like if he's on your team, you're going to love him. And if he is playing against you, you are going to absolutely despise this kid because he is just, he is confident in himself. He is confident in his ability and he makes sure that you know when he's having a good game. And he had a lot more good games than he was having bad games. And then Ismail is a guy that I had fun watching. Like the f- I wrote about him for stiffs on Friday. The fact that his, like the first clip in his highlight reel is a 20 foot jumper to send the, to tie the game and send it to double overtime was not what I expected to see. I was like, Oh, six eleven guy athletic. Like I looked at his measurables, looked at his workout stuff. This guy's going to have like a giant dunk or a huge block for the first clip, right? No 20 foot turnaround two or one dribble jumper to tie the game. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's, that's definitely what I expected to see there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think when you, one more thing before we get into each of the individual prospects and like their, their skill sets, what do you see as like, are you disappointed that the nuggets didn't make a trade or are you content with the haul that they got on draft night? Uh, not within the individual prospects, uh, just the context of taking three rookies and all that kind of stuff. From the simple standpoint of, for those that don't know, I am a Green Bay Packer fan. I am originally from Wisconsin. I've been a Packer fan my entire life. I have been a fan of a team, and my entire life, they've been a team that's been good. Outside of a couple seasons where Aaron Rodgers got hurt, they were good. And every year, me, other fans, want Green Bay to do the trade-up thing. They're rumor, there's rumors about it. Oh, they got extra picks. They'll, they'll definitely do it this year. And then they don't. And then they trade down. I also live in Indiana. The Indianapolis Colts under Chris Ballard trade down a lot. So I'm never disappointed when my team that I'm rooting for doesn't trade up. Um, I expect it because a lot more often than not, teams don't trade, especially in the NBA. There's only 60 picks. Each team has two. Obviously, some teams have more because they traded their picks away. But on draft night, I rarely expect picks to ha- like. I rarely expect trades to happen. I ex- more expect teams to just stand pat and just stay where they are, because that's more often than not what's going to happen. So no, I'm not disappointed that uh, Denver didn't make a trade. I like I said earlier, I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt that they wanted to make a trade, but they couldn't find one. And there's no point in forcing a trade because if you have to force it, it probably isn't the right decision. I think that. I slightly disagree. I would have liked to see a veteran uh, acquired. And 
I'm a draft guy. I like to watch these prospects. One of my main things about basketball is the draft. But I think the Nuggets are at a point in the like at a point in the process where they need to make tough decisions. And they in years past under Conley uh, were very much will draft guys and then they never got playing time. They never had the context to develop in. And I have a hard time seeing that really change at this point. I know that the Grand Rapids Gold is a thing now. They have a G League team. But for actual NBA basketball, I think the Nuggets aren't in a context to develop talent that like Peyton Watson, for example, needs. With Ishmael Kamagate, they are drafting stashing him for a year. And he was already someone who, while fairly raw, played professional basketball overseas. And he will get another year of that under his belt. So with his reps, I expect him to be NBA ready when he comes over. Christian Brown is a high floor player, and that was part of the reason Denver drafted him. But with Peyton Watson specifically, they made the Jermichael Green trade. They traded one of their only tradable assets in a 2027 first round pick. And they only made it top five protected. And while some people are making a bigger deal of that than I think it's is warranted, it is still a very lightly protected pick and one that maybe could have gotten more. We saw Jeremy Grant be traded for a 2025 Milwaukee first rounder. And I'm not saying the Nuggets should have gotten Jeremy Grant. We saw how that went last time and, you know, just it wouldn't have worked this time either. But they could have gotten probably somebody, even if it was a slight overpay for the, that sort of talent. And I would have rather them trade for a veteran player than a trade exception in Peyton Watson. And I think that that's the aspect I'm most disappointed with. It's just the asset management. I don't think they did the best job of managing their their trade assets i think if you were going to make this trade the jermichael green trade you should have had a deal already lined up where you knew you could get veteran talent if that was your intention i think you should have had another deal lined up make it a three-team deal whatever whatever and they didn't do that i think overall the process of drafting these guys is fine but I do think that I have some issues with the fact that they drafted three guys. I think they should have picked one, traded another pick, or not traded at all. Like, or that's not the right term. I think they should have not traded for the pick in the first place if they were not going to use it to acquire talent that can help them win now. I realize that Jokic will be playing for a long time if he wants to. Um, his skill set is very translatable, you know, for long-term play. He doesn't rely on athleticism that much, yada, yada. That doesn't matter. You still have to capitalize on the trade win- or on the, your championship window. And these next, this next season and the season after are probably the best shot the Nuggets will get because Michael Porter Jr., we don't know what will happen with his back. We don't know how he'll look. So you want to capitalize while he's still healthy. And supposedly going into the season, he will be healthy. Uh, Jamal Murray, 
you don't know uh, how that ACL will look. I think he'll look fine. And I think he'll come back just as good as we saw him. But you still don't know how these injuries will affect your team long term. And Aaron Gordon is someone who is very athletic and plays with athleticism. Eventually, he'll age out of that. And I think he will still have uh, positive skill sets. But, you know, there are just things in the NBA that you can't predict. So I think you should try and win now rather than later. And trading for two picks when you were originally going into draft night with one and then not using any of those picks to trade for talent that will help you win now isn't a great look to me. I I get the aspect of wanting to trade for win now players. Don't get me wrong. I want Denver to win now. Also, I want them to be aggressive. I took Calvin Booth saying I we're going to be aggressive. I took that seriously. You're up near the cap. You didn't get a ton of cap clearance. So you're going to have to get real creative if you're, planning on if you're planning on like riding with this roster into the season because there's not a lot of moves you can make but that when i say that i'm not disappointed i'm i'm accepting the fact that like i wasn't surprised that denver didn't make a trade my guess is they tried to make one couldn't find it and they had already traded for that other pick and they figure you know what we'll go ahead and we'll be aggressive we'll plan ahead and we'll take players that we need and also how do we there's also the fact that they could be planning a trade for down the road and they knew that they were going to ship out older veteran players and they needed guys to fill their spots so they're like fine we have veteran players to match salary that we'll ship out and we'll have younger guys to fill their spots as well as the talented player that we're bringing back there's not a guarantee that's obviously all like conjecture and hypothetical but that's just an example of you know what there might be a move that they're going to make that we have no idea of yet. And so until that happens, I'm until, and until nothing happens or whatever, I'm going to give them a little bit of just, let's see what these players do, or let's see what other moves they make before we're ready to just write them off. I I think that's fair. Uh, Yeah, I think, I think all that's fair. And now that we've talked about the process leading up to the draft and all that stuff in a vacuum, Let's talk about the prospects that Denver walked away with. They ended up making three picks, which were Christian Brown at pick 21 from Kansas, uh, Peyton Watson from the UCLA Bruins at pick 30, and Ishmael Kamagate from uh, Paris Basketball at pick 46. Uh, Pick 21 was the Denver Nuggets' own pick. Pick 30 was acquired in the Jamaica Green trade, and pick 46 was acquired for a 2024 second-round pick. I don't think it's been reported if that's their own or the one of the ones that they got in the Jermichael Green trade. But either way, uh, it, it was just a 2024 uh, first round or second round pick. Let's start with Christian Brown. You already touched on him a little bit, but for those unfamiliar with his game, the best word to sum him up is uh, asshole. He will <laughs> absolutely be a shit talker up and down the court the entire time he is guarding you. Anytime he makes a bucket, you will hear about it. And that sort of attitude is something that the nuggets really haven't had uh, besides probably Jamal Murray. Like he's the closest thing they've had to a trash talker. And he does talk. And even Murray doesn't talk. Murray doesn't talk trash like this kid. Like I said, I watched the, the Christian Brown that I've seen and the stuff that I watched in the tournament and just like highlight 
real clips of and game clips of him. This kid doesn't stop. He is relentless when he like when he starts rolling he knocks down a bucket or two like you said he is going to make sure you hear about it he went at everybody it didn't matter if you were a five star or if you were a no star coming out he was gonna have a night and he was gonna make sure you didn't forget about it and like i said at the very beginning when i mentioned him if he's on your team you're gonna love him and if he's not you're gonna hate him because you're going to because he's going to let every single one of your players on your team know that he is having a good night and he's going to make sure everybody around knows about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah, glad his... he's on Denver because I don't want to root against him because he's <laughs> here's the thing. Denver, like you said, Denver, not the big trash talky team. That's not really what they do. I like them having an edge in this guy. I like them having a guy that's going to bring just a little bit of nastiness to the floor. I don't, he's not, he's not a dirty player. He's not Grayson Allen tripping people. He's not got the fake snarl Tyler Harrow thing going on. He's just a guy that goes out and plays basketball. And when he's playing well, he makes sure you're aware of it. Yeah. He, I think his attitude is something that the Nuggets can use. And I expect him to get playing time basically right away. This feels like a very Malone pick. Uh, I believe Malone was really involved with this process. And I, I think he one of his guys would have been Christian Brown. He is a very high motor player, plays very hard on defense, knows how to play defense too. It's not just a athleticism thing with him or or a you know frame thing with him. He knows how to play. He knows how to use his footwork. He knows all that sort of stuff. Fundamentally sound defender. He's really really good at playing passing lanes, uh, picking guys up, taking. Uh, taking shots to the chest, absorbing contact that way, has good steal and block numbers, and also is a athlete. He has a negative wingspan by by an inch. He's six seven with a six six wingspan. It's actually six six and a half. Just want to want to clarify that. Yeah, I but I don't think it matters either way. I it think doesn't. I mean, knows... Alex Caruso, who everybody loves as a defender, had I believe Alex Caruso is either six six or six five, and then his wingspan is an inch shorter. I can't remember specifically what his height is. But yeah, it's, I know it's one inch shorter because I believe it was uh, Harrison Wind. I think is the the tweet that I saw mentioning that. Yeah, and he no, he's an athletic enough to make up for that. He has a forty inch vertical, and he is a transition animal he he can throw down dunks and transition really well he is laterally pretty quick he's not like insanely quick laterally but he's pretty pretty quick and he will stay in front of you he will shut some people down and he's a good team defender too and then offensively he's not going to provide a ton of shot creation like his dribble isn't super there uh, at least at the NBA level, and he won't be uh, finishing through like contact, uh, like off drives and that sort of thing. But he is about a 38% shooter on three seasons at Kansas, I think. And he shot the ball well for three seasons at Kansas, shot it well in high school, shot it well at AAU. He shot, he's shot it well at every single level. And 
he took deep threes too. He was 17 of 43 this season, which is 39.5% from three on threes that were either 25 feet to 30 feet. So he has NBA range to his three point shot. He is a really good off ball relocator. He knows how to cut too. He is a legit lob threat with that vertical and with his off ball cutting and all that kind of stuff. He will be catching lobs at Denver. And I think he plays very well off Jokic. Honestly, I think long-term he might be nearly a perfect fit next to the core four. He provides floor spacing. He provides defense. He provides like a good attitude, grittiness. And I think Denver made a really good pick here. I think you can make the argument that Wendell Moore or Marjan Bochamp would also be good picks, but I had him right there with those two as like the guys for Denver. And I think they got a good one with him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I definitely would. I would have had Wendell Moore above him, but that's just because I love the player that Wendell Moore is, but I'm also not going to ignore a talented player when I see him. I, loved the player that I saw. I love the attitude because I think that it brings something that the team just flat out doesn't have. Um, we saw that Denver, Denver just doesn't have this edge. I don't think that like every team needs a like nasty player and like, he just has to have an edge and an attitude to him. And that's what Brown has. I, it could just be like, I don't know if he feels overlooked. I don't know if he just has to generate a chip on his shoulder, wherever he goes. But whatever works for him, man, I see a player that comes out and plays hard. You mentioned that he's a good team defender. He's a good on-ball defender. He's not flawless there, but uh, he's a good team defender. And he, you mentioned he plays passing lanes well. I watched him several times on clips. He knows how to – he pays attention to what's going on around him. And when he sits here and he sees a defender get – like I remember one specific play that I mentioned in my Film Friday article. The – he's – playing off ball. He's on the opposite wing. I believe they're, they're running a three, two zone. I think in that situation, uh, there's two defenders, two defenders have trapped the ball handler over on the, the side of the court away from him. And he starts lurking immediately. Like you see him hunch down slightly. So that way it's a little harder to see him. And then he takes a couple steps, couple steps. And as soon as the pass, as soon as the pass like goes up or like the, you can see that the ball handler is getting ready to pass the ball. He jumps like he is gone. Cause he knows that he is getting that ball. And it doesn't matter what the his the opponent tries to do. He's getting that ball. He's going to take it the other way, and he's going to score. He does have great athleticism. You mentioned the forty inch vertical. I'm not super concerned about the wingspan either. I think that even like I mean six six and a half is still a decent wingspan. He's got good length. He's got good enough athleticism to get him by. He and also he's twenty one point one nine years old per Tankathon.com and. That I think he's ready to, like you said, you think he's ready to contribute from day one or like in year one. And I think that that is, that is true as well. He plays a position that the team doesn't really have, which is like on the, off the bench, big guard. I think that the team has a lot of guards and like smaller guards, but I don't think they really have a bigger guard off the bench like they do in Brown or do now in Brown. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can bring. He, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of shot creation. He can create a little bit, but you're, right that he is a little limited in that aspect of the game but if he can play off of guys like Jokic, Monte Morris and others that can create their own shot he will 
he will figure out a way to fit in. So I, I like to pick, like you mentioned, there's other guys that you might've had above him there, but I'm not going to fault the pick at all. I think he's a great player and I'm glad that he is uh, in Denver now. Yep. Uh, I, I think my, my one hot take of this podcast is going to be, I expect Christian Brown playoff minutes uh, come next season. I legitimately think he will be in the playoff rotation in his rookie year. If he isn't, I will be pretty surprised, to be honest. Just I will be surprised if he is not playing playoff rotation minutes. Yeah. He's someone who Nuggets picked for a high floor and someone who can contribute now. Uh, now, moving on to the next pick that the Nuggets made. This one took a lot of people by surprise, me included. I did not anticipate the Nuggets to take an upside swing in this draft. I anticipated this pick to be traded uh, for a player. It was not when I assumed that it wasn't getting traded when about pick 28 rolled around. I was like, okay, well, let's see. I mean, I know Kendall Brown worked out for the Nuggets. I know they liked him. Uh, Caleb Houston worked out for the Nuggets. He has some things. And then I saw that they picked Peyton Watson from UCLA and I was very surprised. He did work out for the Nuggets, but also I did not expect him to be a Nuggets guy. I thought maybe in the second round, like where they picked Ishmael Kamagate, uh, if they, he was still there, maybe they'd look at him then as like a two-way sort of guy, but instead they pick him in the first round and He's someone that is a very developmental prospect. He's a, he's a project player. He will not probably see much, if any, playing time in his first season. He will be spending time for the Grand Rapids Gold, and they will be trying to develop him into a defensive ace. He was a, a five-star recruit coming out of college or out of high school and committed to UCLA. And more players returned than were expected. He was behind the depth chart on Johnny Jazang, uh, Hami Haquez, uh, and a bunch of other veteran guards at UCLA. He didn't get much playing time. He played 12.7 minutes a game. But in that time, he showed a uh, defensive knack for the ball. He showed that at, at FIBA as well, at the U. 18s, I think it was, or maybe it was U19s. He played in FIBA for the American or for the United States team and played good defense. He is a 6'8 guy, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, good size. Uh, knows is a super fluid athlete on defense and knows how to play defense. He's someone who knows how to get his nose in the dirt and can really, really give some people problems on defense. Now you might be wondering why I was surprised if all of this is, is true. And as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's because of his offense. You're higher on him than I am. I can see why the Nuggets took it. He is someone who is a guy who can, if he hits, help them long-term. The problem with this pick from me is that I think if you were going to take an upside pick, like Kendall Brown would have been a better upside swing. My problem is like there were guys 
who legitimately could still contribute to a team uh, now, I think. Uh, Andrew Nemhard was still there, even though I don't think they should have taken a guard. He was still there. Uh, Gabriel Prochita from uh, Italy was there, and I think he's better than Peyton is right now. There was Caleb Houston, who is still sort of a projecty sort of player, but still has more uh, to his game now. He could play theoretically now. Vince Williams Jr. from VCU is someone who I think would have been a better pick, but they went with Peyton Watson. And I think the process here is fine. They picked a guy who they are going to send to the G League. And if he hits, he will become a defensive force. He will be a defensive playmaker. They're hoping that this is their Herb Jones. They're hoping that this is the guy who can come in and make plays defensively, have defensive gravity. Like people talk about offensive gravity with like Curry and his shooting and, oh, you got to pay attention to guys at all times. He, Their hope is that he has def- the defensive equivalent and that guys straight up do not want to go to the same side of the floor as Peyton Watson. The issue lies for me personally in the offensive skill sets that he has right now, which isn't much. He at US UCLA shot 33% from the field, 22.6% from three. And those were and averaged 3.3 points a game, which is uh, the lowest among any first round draft pick in NBA history, I believe Uh, that's been reported at least. And he struggled to finish at the rim, only shot 35.1% around the rim on non dunks. He missed a ton of bunnies in the tape that I saw of him, which was about 10 games or 10 to 15. Probably he has a bit of a handle but it's not something I'd bet on working in the NBA. The shot doesn't look good and it didn't go in at the rate you'd want. The free throw percentage isn't that great. There was some passing stuff and I don't think that's like negligible. There was passing stuff there. Like he had some impressive passes, but at the end of the day, I have a hard time seeing a path in development for him in which he sticks in the NBA. I hope I'm proven wrong because everything I've heard, he's a great guy, a really smart guy, wants to play basketball, has a love for the game. But personally, I don't think this was the right pick. And as I mentioned earlier, the process of keeping this pick, I was not a fan of, but even if you are to keep this pick, I think there were better players there. I think there were better upside swings, Josh Minot and Kendall Brown, I think were would both be better uh, long-term than Peyton. I hope he proves me wrong. I'm rooting for the, for the guy, but I don't see him hitting. And I think that he will likely uh, spend a long time in the G league. I think he probably starts, uh, either getting PT in like his third season, if he does hit, I think he's likely to spend two years in the G League. That's just my read on it. 
uh, I know you're a bit more optimistic. So uh, why don't you tell uh, the listeners your thoughts on Payton? All right. So I am more optimistic. Again, I'm just, it's easier to be optimistic than to be pessimistic about it. Um, his offense is rough. There's no, I mean, there's no two ways around it. You definitely hashed over that pretty thoroughly. I am optimistic on the player that I think he can be, which is I think he can legitimately be an all defensive player. I think that he has that upside. He's got a seven foot and a half inch wingspan. He's got the size necessary. He is a top 12, top 10, depending on where the hell you looked at recruiting rankings. ESPN 100 had him 12th in the class. He was behind a ton of veteran guards when he when he went to college my guess is he thought that there was going to be more that left especially considering they had gone to they'd had a decent uh tournament run so he probably thought oh maybe more of them will go they didn't they came back he made the decision to stay he went to a place where he knew he was not going to be a primary starter he wasn't going to be a primary uh creator primary offensive guy but he went anyway i think that he you're right he he probably won't ever put it together on offense he probably will forever be just a guy that isn't a great scorer. He might score on a good on a very good night where he gets hot, hits a couple threes, and gets some easy cuts. He might get 15, 20 on a rare night. But he's not going to be that for you. I think that but looking at what he can be, which is I think he can be a defensive shutdown weapon. And on a team that features guys like Mike Porter Jr. and uh, Jokic, who could who would probably prefer to not have a layup line going against him every single night, and Jamal Murray, who we don't know what he's going to be when he comes back from an injury. We assume that he's going to be close to 100% or at 100%, but we don't know. Uh, Monte Morris, uh, another guy that's on your bench who's not necessarily known for his defensive prowess. You need a guy that can be your defensive tool, and that's what I think he can be. I think that he will take some time. He probably will be in the G League for a little while. Guess what? That's okay because he has – we already have, Mike, like I mentioned, Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, uh, Zeke Naji still on the team. Jeff Green's still on the team. I know that uh, Zeke's probably your three, Jeff probably your four. The team has some size, so at best, Watson was going to be your third small forward anyway. So I'm so I, it's it's okay. I'm I'm willing to have patience with it. I understand we talked at the very beginning about we want the team to go win now. Well, you drafted a player who is of the three that you drafted. He is the only one that's not 21 years or older already. Uh, you have 20. Uh, I believe that Christian will turn 22 next uh, April, and Ismail I believe is. 20 will be 22 by the time he comes over next season. He's 21.4. He'll turn 22 in January. So yeah, there's going to be a learning curve for this guy, but he's also two years younger than anybody else you drafted. I'm or a year and a half younger than anybody else you drafted. I'm willing to have patience in him because I, I can see what he can be. So that's what I'm looking at. If I look at what I think he'll be, yeah, it might be a little lower than what I think he can be, but I'm choosing at this time to look at, the positive because I haven't seen him do anything else yet. I like, I can sit here. Yeah. I can sit here all day and nitpick and say, well, you could have traded 30 and then your later pick and traded up a few spots and gone and gotten Wendell Moore, who we all know that I love. And then you would have had a guy who I think is pro ready and he plays the same position only granted Wendell Moore is six, five and a half compared to uh, Peyton Watson, who's six, eight, 
and they had the exact same wingspan, but uh, but they didn't. It's way too easy to just sit here and criticize and tear them down all day. So I'm but so I'm going to choose to look at the positive of I see a player, I see what he can be, and give him time to grow. This is the point of having a G League team. You can develop guys now. So I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt that he might be something. And if he never turns into anything, that's okay. I'm I then I was wrong, but I guess we'll get to that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, I, I do think if he hits, he is the sort of player that Denver needs. I think that under Denver's developmental program, there have been players who have developed into players that were probably beyond their median income or median, uh, not median income, medium outcome. And if they can strike that again with Peyton, I think the pick will pay dividends in the future. I think he does have the potential to be an all defensive sort of guy. He is a very fluid athlete on defense, not so much on offense, but on defense, he knows how to use his body. He had a recent growth spurt uh, from six, three to six, eight, which you can tell on offense. He's still knowing how to learning how to use his body, but on the defensive end, it has come together. He knows how to get skinny on screens. He has guarded, uh, like switch, like switching on possessions. There's a lot to like defensively, and I think if he can hit and if he can put it together at the NBA level, this turns into a, a fantastic pick for Denver. I don't know how likely that is to happen, but I do think maybe I came off as too negative uh, initially because I do think the upside with Peyton is appealing. You're allowed to be negative. That's not what I was getting at. I, but you are definitely allowed to criticize the pick and have your negative thoughts on it. I have mine. Yeah, I'm just I'm just electing to focus more on what I what he can be, and mm-hmm. when he ends up not being that, then we can go ahead and look back and be like, look, here's the three guys you could have gotten that you didn't get. Let's go ahead yeah. and move on to Ismail though. Yeah. So Ismail Kamagate is a 6'11 center from Paris. Uh, According to Harrison Wind and Mike Singer, he will be drafted and stashed in France for another year. And that is, you know, those are two of the most credible Nuggets sources you'll find. So Ishmael is going to be, uh, again, in France for one more season and then will probably be brought over as Denver's backup center or another big, you know, uh, what have you. He is someone I wrote a piece on uh, at Stiffs and that will go into detail on, you know, film, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Gage wrote about him yesterday and film Friday on Stiffs as well. Uh, those two pieces will show you clips about Kamigate, uh, what he can do, all that kind of stuff. But to sum it up, he is someone who defensively has a lot of tools and is mobile. He is far more mobile than most centers at his position or uh, far more centers of his size. He had multiple possessions where he'd be out on a guard and he'd get steals. He'd get blocks and could stay in front of them. He isn't someone I'd ask to guard guards as like his assignment, but if you are playing switch, Ishmael Kamagate works. And he also on the inside has 
good steal and block numbers. He knows how to use his length. He knows how to use his athleticism. And he alters shots at the rim, can block shots at the rim. He is a pretty good defender. There are some fouling issues with him, but you give him another year in Europe. Hope he can figure that out. Bring him over. He's still young. And I like this pick a lot. I had him in the 20s on my big board or in the early 30s. They got him at 46. I think that's fantastic value. I think on offense, he has some shooting upside. He isn't a knockdown shooter, but he has you know a good touch from mid-range. And I think eventually can stretch that out to the three-point line. I don't ever see him being like a 40% three-point shooter, but I do think he does project to be at least a, a respectable three-point shooter in in due time. And he's also a good pick-and-roll guy, uh, passes well in the short roll, can make those reads, and can you know obviously throw it down <laughs> uh, with a dunk or a lob in, uh, as, as the role man. I like this pick for Denver. I think next season he will be the backup center that Denver will roll with long-term. And I hope to see more development uh, from him next season playing uh, with more feel for when to jump and, you know, work on some of those fouling issues. But I, I really like this pick for Denver. Eh, I'm not concerned about fouls. Fouls happen. You're you're a center. You get six of them. You're going to be coming off the bench. It's not the end of the world. I mean, he only averaged 2.4 fouls per 36 minutes, so not really the end of the world. But I mean, yeah, it is. You definitely don't want to just walk out there and just hack everybody all day. But I love the pick. I think that the value is great. I know that a lot of people, like you said, you had him in the 20s. A lot of people had him around 30 to like the early 30s. So getting him at 46 is good value, especially because he is a player that's going to need some seasoning. He, like you said, they have already reported that he's going to be stashed for at least a year. And then I think that he can be that center, like that long-term center. I think of him a lot as a guy that just, he's a center that has touch, but whenever people think about centers that have touch and the ability to shoot somewhere other than just dunks and lobs, they just assume that the guy doesn't have it on defense. And that is not the case here. He averaged 2.1 blocks per 36 minutes uh, in his uh, like last season with uh, Paris Basketball Club. He had uh, 11.3 points per game, or 15 points per 36 minutes, 8.3 rebounds, um, shot 64%, which that's going to happen when you're a big and he is a guy that, like I said, at the way earlier in the podcast, he had his first clip in his highlight package was a drawn up play. Not like he did it on his own, drawn up by the team for him to hit a 20, like a shot just inside the three point arc to tie the game and send it to double overtime. That's what they drew up for their 6'11", 220 pound center was for him to do that. So I can already see that the touch and the ability to shoot is already out there. I think that he is going to, like you said, be able to stretch it out to the three-point line. I don't know just how high up that might be. I don't know if he's going to be, like, I don't think he's going to be a 40% shooter, like you said. I think he's probably going to be in the 33 to 35% if you're lucky. Maybe he gets a little higher than that, but uh, that remains to be seen. And he's going to be able to develop, and he's going to be behind one of the greatest centers that has played and the best moderns the best center in basketball right now so whenever he, when he does get here he'll be able to be that like he'll have the perfect person to learn behind and uh 
the hope then is just that he's able to continue to develop on both ends of the floor. I think that he can be that long-term lob threat for you that the team has really kind of been searching for off the bench. And they've tried a few different guys in that spot. And I think that uh, this is this is an option that can actually be your long-term solution here. I liked a lot of what I saw. He has good ability to slide side to side because he's for how tall he is, he doesn't weigh a ton, which that I would like him to put on a little more weight just from the standpoint of there are some bigger, bulkier forwards in the league that can bowl him over. Like I'm sure that if he got matched up with uh, LeBron, a Giannis, uh, some of the other bulkier forwards, they might be able to bully him around a little bit. So he'll need to put on a little weight. But other than that, I think that getting a guy with his talent level at the pick that they did uh, is a pretty, pretty good value there. Uh, and it kind of makes up for the value of taking Peyton Watson a little too early. Yeah. I, another thing with him is I think he could play the four in certain lineups. Uh, Paris has Kylo Quinn on the roster who former NBA player and, you know, for a, uh, a French Euro league team, he sort of plays a Jokic sort of role, uh, playmaking from the post a lot of the time. Uh, he, he's very talented for uh, a Euro league sort of situation. And Ishmael played next to him in most lineups. He played the four for Paris a lot of the time. And I think that's something that you could kind of look at for spurts with Denver. Uh, if you're going up against, you know, like the Cavs and they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley out there and you need another big defensively, I think you can throw Ishmael out there, ask him to do some things. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good pick for Denver. And do you have anything else to add on Ishmael? Uh, not at this time. I mean, obviously, it's, we're just—he's a guy that I'm gonna have to do a little more work on. I—he's uh, the one that I have just the least amount of information on, just because he is an in, in an international player. Um, so he's the one that I have just the least information on at this time. Yeah. Uh, for our last segment, uh, we'll let's briefly touch on, you know, just moving forward through the rest of this offseason. Uh, what do you want to see Denver do? for the rest of this offseason, now that we've established their plan in the draft, we took an upside guy. We took a guy who is ready now and we took a draft mustache guy. So we likely have one rookie who will play consistent minutes. What do you want to see the rest of the roster fill out with uh, going forward? And do you think you would still look to trade a Will Barton or a Monte Morris uh, as was reported before the draft? Uh, I probably wouldn't look to trade Monte Morris. I know that everyone's looking to trade him. I understand that he is the he is a salary filler piece that would help to make it a lot easier to trade him. Um, and you're presumably having yeah Bones Highland. He can play those minutes for you. He's also cheaper. So let's say you trade Will Barton and Monte Morris. That frees up 23 million. Um, who are you bringing back? Like I don't know if you're trading for a guy that is going to fill the the Will Barton spot in the starting lineup. Great. If you're playing Christian Brown in that spot, which I doubt they will do because uh, while Michael Malone may love the Christian Brown player, I doubt he's going to start a rookie. I just, I have, I would be stunned if that is the case. Like unless Brown just shows up and is just the, he proves he's got it from day one. I doubt that he's starting in year one. So that's going to take some time. I don't know what the plan is there. Um, I would be willing to trade Barton just from the the money standpoint. Um, 
I am not dumb. I can understand how this team works. I have, from the from the time that I followed it, it has become very clear to me that you have that they are going to operate on the cap. They know how much money they can and can't spend. There is a there's going to be guys that I think that are on the roster now that they're not going to. They're obviously going to re- release cap holds. They have twenty eight million uh, two hundred fifty one thousand in cap holds right now. Uh, we kind of th- and we talked about the guys that they have uh, cap holds on a few months ago, or uh, about a month and a half ago or so. So I'm not sure who all they're going to um, be getting rid of at this time, but I think that there's definitely some moves that need to be made. I think that bringing in a defensive-minded wing would be a good decision. I understand that Peyton Watson is just – he's not ready to be that guy yet. So you need a defensive-minded wing. You don't have one. Um, I think that Christian Brown can be a good defensive wing. I don't think he can be the guy you need yet, though. And so I would prefer them to have a veteran three prefer, – preferably three and D guy, but if he can't really shoot the three that well, I'm willing to concede that as long as he can um, – as long as he can at least play defense at a competent level. Like if you get a guy like uh, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope uh, uh, in Washington, I know that that's been a rumored name. Not, nothing confirmed on that yet, but that is a rumored name. Denver could look to target. Um, he would play the Barton role. He can shoot threes decent. He's not he's not spectacular, but he is a decent three-point shooter. He can play defense. That's all you need. So if that's the guy you get, I'm okay with it. Um, but I'm not like chomping at the bit to ship Monte Morris out right now. Uh, other than that, though, there's not a lot of moves you can make on this roster with how expensive the roster is. If you really want to make moves, you got you to gotta trade Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. Is That's the move you really have to make if you're trying to free up some space. But I don't think either one of those guys are going anywhere. Yeah, I don't see Michael Porter or Aaron Gordon getting traded. And like you, I don't necessarily want to see Monte be traded uh, at least until the deadline uh, going into next season, we don't know how much uh, Jamal Murray is going to, you know, take to get back into game shape. Cause there's a um, difference between being in great shape and being an NBA game ready shape. And he'll likely have to play himself uh, into back into what he was, you know, shake some of that rust off, which is not a problem. Uh, but you know, is going to be a thing. So I'd, I'd like to have a steady hand in Monte and not put all the pressure on Jamal and Bones to handle all of the point guard duties. And I think you will have more available options within Monte's salary range at the deadline as well. I, if you're going to trade Monte Morris, I think you look to trade him at the deadline. Uh, I'd like to see the Nuggets try and make a move for a defensive minor wing, like you said. Uh, you mentioned KCP. I'll mention Josh Hart. I really like Josh Hart from the Nuggets. I think he fits fantastic. I've been drumming that drum for the entire offseason and even in the playoffs. Uh, I think he fits really well. But, you know, you you look for guys like that who can just, you can trust them to play defense, even if they're not locked down. Uh, which you're likely not going to find lockdown defenders update on Josh Hart, mm-hmm. just real quick, because this has happened in the last hour. Um, yeah. They have officially guaranteed his salary for next season or for this se- upcoming season. Like it, it okay, was announced cool. 27 minutes ago that that happened. So the, or actually it was announced about two hours ago. So that was kind of funny that just, we were sitting there talking about Josh Hart <laughs> and that happened to come through. Yeah. He is 27. Yeah. So he does fit right in the range of this team because he would be the same age mm-hmm. as, 
uh, both Jokic and then Aaron Gordon. So I love Josh Hart, and I'll let you go on and talk about him. I think he fits in great. Um, I wish he was a little taller, but I don't. Th- but I'm not super concerned about it. I think he's a good, de- good two way guy. Can knock down threes because we saw that with Portland that he could shoot threes. I don't know what it was about New Orleans, but as soon as he got out of there, he actually was starting to shoot threes again. <laughs> and I'm like, this is I don't know where where this went. Like because he did it in LA and then he just stopped doing it with the Pelicans. And then when he went to Portland, he started shooting threes again. So I don't know if he was just rusty yeah. or what. But yeah, I love the Josh Hart idea. I don't know if Portland would be willing to give him up, but if they are, Denver should definitely have him on the phone. Yeah, I think he has a bit more like off the dribble stuff than uh, some of the guys that get thrown around. And I also just really like his defense, like his shooting. I think he'd be like a really good complimentary piece. You know, just look for guys in that sort of tier of player. And I still think Barton is probably going to get traded. Uh, However it happens, I'm not sure, but I do see Will Barton being off the roster come training camp. I am not completely opposed to him coming back uh, in a more, you know, complimentary sort of role next to a Jamal Murray. But I do think the Nuggets need more defensive minded players uh, rather than, you know, Will's playmaking, shot creation, all that kind of stuff. But I, I'd like to see them address defense and fill it out with, you know, defensive minded players. I think with Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, Bones, obviously Jokic, you have enough offensive guys. I'd like to see just a few more defensive role players get brought in. And if they do that, I think the Nuggets have a really good roster moving forward. Yeah, I think that the Nuggets are should be considered one of the elite and contending teams. Moving forward, their entire core is 27 years old or younger. Uh, if you look at mm-hmm. just their core four guys of Jokic, Gordon, Murray, Porter, they're all 27 or younger. Um, I think that they can contend for multiple years to come because they are in the right spot. It's just a matter of hitting on the right guys and bringing in the right role players to fit around that. Yeah. I, I think they, with a healthy team, they should be considered uh, one of the favorites to win the title i think that's the expectation that this uh core should carry i think those are the expectations that should be put on the team if if fully healthy Uh, but other than that anything else that we should get to no i don't think so i think that we've uh kind of we've covered the majority of it for in terms of this um draft class and as the summer goes on and we get more uh like summer league stuff and more just information about them and watch them play a little bit. We'll have, we can talk about it more, but free agency is right around the corner. So uh, we will be coming with some actual free agency content uh, probably next week. Yep. I look forward to that. Uh, As always, thank you for listening. You can find uh, Gage on Twitter at G Bridgeford NFL. You can find me at Nash Levy NBA. You can find both our work on denverstiffs.com. And you can find us here next week. Remember to like and download the podcast. We appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening and have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.